0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, Wednesday, hump day, middle of the week day. We are closer to Friday than we were on Monday, and today is April 15th. Normally, I'd be uh, playing some kind of dirge-like music today because it would be tax day, but that's been put off until July 15th. Uh, so you got plenty of time still to file your taxes and don't have to say goodbye to cash. Today is a historic day. I've been talking some with uh, Elizabeth on... Uh, They uh, are text messaging back and forth, and uh, we both were agreeing today, is historic. Instead of the government taking your money, the government is sending you money. I don't know about you, but I got up this morning, and I I have some other things uh, from, you know, uh, some areas that show up uh, in my account on just about the 15th of every month thereabouts, and today it happened to drop right on the 15th, and... uh, It was a good day for the Dave Ellswick uh, checking account. Uh, And uh, one of the things that we were there is uh, uh, Linda and my check from the federal government showed up in the uh, checking account today. So I'm happy about that. It's uh, one of those few days, like I said, that, you know, the government's not taking money from you. It's it's sending you money, but it's your money. You got to keep that in mind. It's not like uh, you're coming out ahead. You're just getting the money that you've already paid to the federal government in every way, shape, or form that they collect money from you. You know, it's not just out of your check that they're collecting money from you. Every time you go to the gas pump, they take money from you. Uh, you times you go to the store. Uh, they're taking money fr- from you. And you say, well, Dave, there's no food tax. Well, you're right. However, uh, every one of those companies that produce the food that you eat or the clothes that you wear or the shoes that you put on and run in and walk in and things, all of those uh, you know, businesses have been taxed. And you don't think they pay that money, do you? No, they include that in the cost of their uh, their products. So you're paying those taxes for them. It's a it's just a inevitability that you're paying a lot of your money uh, to uh, the federal, the state, and the local government. Uh, my wife was talking to me today as I was wolfing down a bowl of cereal. I had some uh, apple jacks today for breakfast, and doing my thing, and uh, and she says, "Okay, so I understand that the federal government uh, is not going to tax this money on our income tax next year." And I said, "That's right. Uh, it won't count towards your uh, your gross uh, on your on your uh, money you made." And she says, "But what about the state?" And I said, "Well." It's my, you know, I haven't heard the state talk about it. I haven't heard anything come out of Little Rock about it. But I will tell you this: uh, that if you want to stay in power as a party, probably the best thing you can do is not tax that money. You know, I if if all states aren't going to tax it, I wouldn't want to be one of the states that did tax it. Wouldn't be a good thing. And I'm just thinking that if uh, the federal government's not going to tax it, I would think the states would follow suit as well. So uh, I don't know what you're going to do with the money you're being sent. If you have children, uh, each of the, each of the people in your household are today, if you make if you if you uh, can get the money that you don't past the threshold, think so it's $150,000 for a married couple, like 99000 or something like that for uh, a single person, uh, you're going to end up getting like, uh, you know, 1200 bucks If you're single, you get $2,400. If you're a couple, if you file your taxes as a couple, and then if you have dependent children, they're going to send you an extra $500 per dependent Child, so, if you had two children uh, let's say you're married, you got two children, so that's twenty four plus a thousand, which would be thirty four hundred dollars that uh, you should see in your your bank uh, account today so again it 's a historic day April fifteenth typically tax day when the federal government tells you how much you owe them now you get to uh, get money from the federal government keep that in mind all right overnight late night last night a uh, big story came out uh, a lot of people probably are not uh familiar with it and it's a it's a, about a spit test that has now been uh come up with uh that they can check uh dealing with the uh, coronavirus. Um, I'm looking right now, pulling up my all of my stuff that I pulled over the evening. The FDA cleared it, uh, this first test. The new approach uh, would help expand the options to test for uh, COVID-19. It is a uh, Rutgers University researchers got this uh, government clearance, for the first saliva test to help diagnose COVID-19. It's a new approach that can help expand testing options and reduce risk of infection for healthcare workers. The uh, FDA, that's the Food and Drug Administration, uh, authorized this uh, and authorized the test under its emergency powers to quickly clear new tests and therapies to fight the outbreak. Uh, As an aside, I sure do hope That uh, as we move past the COVID-19 pandemic, that a lot of these regulations that uh, I believe many times are needlessly imposed upon a lot of these companies uh, will be loosened so that uh, they can be tested quickly and then be marketable as quickly as possible for people. I mean, if somebody's got... Some kind of illness, don't you think they'd like to have uh, a medicine put on the market as quickly as it possibly can be put on, put on, without worrying about you know that there's going to be you know bad bad side effects and things of that nature. I'm not saying you get rid of all regulation. I'm just saying that there's too much regulation. You can reduce some of that regulation so that people that are waiting on new cancer therapies and things of that nature uh, can access those therapies quicker, uh, maybe as much as by a year or two, uh, by removing some of the restrictions uh, that these uh, things have to go through. Uh, I got more on this whole thing, the saliva test or the spit test, as I call it, from Rutgers University. Let's hear about it.
3: How big of a deal is this that the FDA has now approved this saliva-based test? Well, I think it's a very positive development for a couple reasons. So right now, we're relying on nasal swabs, right? So a healthcare provider, usually a nurse on the front lines, has to come really close to the patient to be able to get that swab, to get that test. And in order to do that, he or she has to have a lot of protective equipment on, like gowns, gloves, the mask, the whole works. And so before they can test the next patient, they have to switch a lot of that stuff out, which means you know we've been seeing shortages in that protective equipment, and that has caused problems in terms of the healthcare system's ability to test patients. So now with this type of test, what people can do is basically take the tube, spit into it a few times, and then hand the tube back to the nurse or to the doctor who's testing them. So that means because of this additional distance, they don't have to change their outfits as much, and it's much easier to actually get the test done and to be able to do it on a larger scale. Yeah.
4: Uh, the FDA commissioner, obviously having the FDA just approve this, joined Fox News earlier this morning, and he said this is a big development. Here's the commissioner. You can use saliva rather than the swab in the nose. It's more comfortable for the patient, obviously can be repeated multiple times, um, and it's actually safer for the healthcare provider. This is not an at-home test. This still has to be uh, performed with a provider, but it does provide great advantages uh, moving forward. And this is Andrew Brooks, Dr. Debbie, he's the chief operating officer at the lab at Rutgers that came up with this game-changing test. He says saliva testing will help with the global shortage of swabs for sampling and increased testing of patients. It will not require healthcare professionals, as you mentioned, to be put at risk. Saliva testing will also be important for people who are in quarantine because they don't know how long it will be until they are no longer infectious. And that is important and leads into my next question, Dr. Debbie, what are we learning now because there seems to be mixed messages on this about whether or not we can get the virus again if somebody had tested positive for it
3: symptoms or no symptoms can they get it again well there's a lot of unknown here so these reports are coming through the world health organization that sometimes people test positive for the coronavirus then they test negative and then they test positive again so the concern the worst case scenario is that somebody's getting reinfected with the virus or that it's getting reactivated. But I personally think there could be other possibilities also. So for example, let's say somebody had absolutely no symptoms and they test uh, negative for antibodies, meaning that they're not able to fight the virus. The most logical conclusion is that they never had the virus in the first place. So if they had a positive test, let's say maybe they were exposed to the virus, they were in close contact with someone and they happened to get a test, it's it's possible that that was a false positive. So, so early on when this virus came out, you know there were a variety of tests that were being performed, and there were questions about the accuracy of these tests across the world. So I think that has to be looked at a little bit more, like what type of test did this person have? Could there have been a false positive for the virus? Uh, sometimes this happens also, let's say that someone is testing positive for the virus, and it's a true positive, but they didn't have any symptoms. Right now, we don't know if that's because the virus is so mild in some people, or if it's because they figured right. out a different way way besides antibodies to be able to fight that virus.
0: All right. So there's the latest news on the uh, Quran, uh, coronavirus as far as the COVID-19. And again, this, this new test, uh, since the workers don't have to get so close to a person, uh, basically a person can spit into uh, the container and you know, give it to a healthcare professional, the chances of exposure for the health care professional goes down. Plus, uh, if you're doing these nasal uh, tests, these swabs, uh, after each swab, they have to change gloves. They have to change their mask. They have to change uh, some of their other clothing and put on new clothing. And, of, co- of course, uh, with the, pro- the problem of getting PPE gear, uh, this is going to save a lot of it. You don't have to keep throw, throwing, uh, throwing it away. All right. So uh, that's some good news for you. You've got now. I put We've put money into your account thus far today, hopefully. Uh, you just got some really good news about a new way they're going to test for uh, the coronavirus. And uh, we've got more news for you. Like uh, today, it's going to be sunny skies, 63 degrees. And... Uh, it's a little bit chilly out there today. If you're going into work, uh, uh, you're one of those essential people, and you've got to be out today. No, you need to have a jacket, because right now in Little Rock, it's 35 degrees. If you're starting off in the Hot Springs area, it's below freezing right now. It's 30 degrees. There's a frost warning all over central Arkansas today. Uh, Conway's at 36. Cabot's at 36. Pine Bluff at 36, and again, Hot Springs is at 30 degrees. And uh, hopefully you didn't spend hundreds of dollars on plants and already plant them and they're outside because you may have some uh, dead plants by the end of uh, this morning. The uh, frost and freeze warnings in our area go until 9 a.m. Currently it's 620. I just gave you the temperatures. We're looking for a high of 63. We've got more coming your way here on the Dave Ellswick Show at 635. Our special guest, State Senator Kim Hammer, will join us from the Benton Bryant area. He will be with us. He's going to tell us what's going on as far as the uh, uh, fiscal session that's underway over at Euler. That's all coming your way in a moment on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. Remind you coming up at uh, 635 that uh, we will have State Senator Kim Hammer on and uh, he'll talk about the fiscal session. Not much has been uh, out in the media about it. I typically would be over covering it, uh, but uh, because of the coronavirus and whatnot that's going on, uh, that's not going to happen this fiscal uh, time, So uh, we'll look and see what's uh, what's happening by uh, talking to one of the movers and shakers. And Kim is that. You can hear Kim every uh, Saturday here on uh, 101.1 FM, The Answer at noon. And he'll keep you up to date on that and, and all the different things that the uh, the state legislature is up to. So don't forget about that show. It's a a real good conduit to uh, understand what's happening in your state. So we'll find that out coming up at uh, 6.35. At 7 o'clock, Congressman uh, French Hill will be with us. He'll tell us uh, his thoughts of what's going on on COVID-19 here in the United States. Uh, he'll talk about uh, reopening the economy today we'll hear what he has to say about what is congress talking about as far as that's concerned uh, as well as what is the president saying about that and uh, so we'll we'll find out for those two things Uh, Liz Harrington spokesperson from the RNC who I love having on to the show uh, she's going to join us at 735 and you know that the uh, Democrats, because I've talked about this. If you've been listening to the show, you know that they're talking about, well, we've got to change up the way we're going to do elections this year. Uh, because of COVID nineteen, uh, what are they thinking? What are they saying? What is uh, our side saying? So all of that information coming to you from Liz Harrington uh, at seven thirty-five and eight o'clock. Joe and Duck will be here. They'll answer your car questions. Uh, you got to keep your car running. Uh, just uh, earlier uh, this week, went over and got the. Uh, Oil changed on the old jalopy uh, that the Ellswick's use, and uh, we got that done. We got the tires rotated. We found out uh, we weren't uh, uh, thinking that we had a a slow leak. We did have a slow leak as uh, they removed the screw from our left rear tire and patched that up. So that's taken care of, and uh, the screw is now I uh, Gone the way of the waistband, and I don't have to worry about that any longer, nor does my wife, who's been doing the majority of driving now. In fact, she's been doing all of the driving uh, almost for the last four weeks because of the surgery I had on my foot. The doc says, You can't put any weight on the ball of your foot uh, for the most part, so uh, we're going to tell you you can't drive. And I'm going to tell you what. Uh, I don't know which is worse uh, as far as I'm concerned, Uh, not being able to watch sports on television or not being able to drive. I think driving probably wins out. Uh, I like to to drive. It's something that I've always enjoyed doing. Uh, I'm one of those people that... Uh, if I don't have to rush somewhere, I'd rather drive somewhere than fly somewhere. I like to see stuff as I'm, as I'm going down the road and things of that nature. So that's where we're at right now for uh, the way things are happening. Uh, keep in mind that uh, Kim Hammer, uh, who's going to be on with us, uh, the com is his website. Uh, you'll uh, be happy to know that you don't have to join it or anything you can go and and access it and he's got a just literally an unbelievable amount of information about covid nineteen info that's uh is in there so uh you know, the kim hammer show one word k i m hammer uh show uh dot com we got news coming up here in just a moment. We'll get you the latest on that, and then Kim will join us at about six thirty-five here on the Dave Ellswick show. And like I said, hasn't been too much in the newspaper or uh, being reported about uh, what's going on in the fiscal session. So uh, we'll catch up on it, find out uh, you know, what's the what's the uh, state's uh, budget looking like. Uh, with the downturn in business uh, this uh, time that's going on with the COVID-19 closing down so many businesses and so many people uh, out of work right now how much money you know how much money are we hemorrhaging and how much uh, money are we taking in it's a lot less than what's going out I can tell you that right now all right let's check the news that's up right now here at one oh one one FM the answer Back with you on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, We just got disconnected uh, from Kim Hammer. He'll call back. We'll get him back on. He's ready to tell you what's going on. As far as the fiscal session goes on, you know, everything has been about coronavirus uh, here now for over a month. And uh, and, and I mean, a month of just constant information uh, for you to be fed. It's been like being fed out of a fire hose, I know. Things change from day to day. Uh, it does look uh, like uh, things are are going. I'm, I'm taking a look. Uh, Kim says keeps dropping the call, and uh, Kim wants Kim uh, wants you to call him. Heidi, uh, do you have his his phone number there? If not, I'll send it to you. Just tell me.
3: Yeah,
4: just text me his number.
0: Okay, so he just texted her, and so they're re hooking up now. And uh, because of all the information that's coming out, and, and now the the information that's coming uh, is moving away from medical, so to speak, uh, where you got, you know, uh, uh, the doctor standing up and talking. Now it's going to be more talking about economics and the whole uh, way that you reopen or reignite a uh an economy, and uh, it's time that we get ready to do that, so that people can start be making their uh, things to go. I'm I'm looking. Uh, we're waiting to get Kim on here. He's in a strong area for a signal. Uh, I'm sure that he's he's either on his way or is over at Euler right now, uh, where they're meeting for the. Um, The fiscal session, uh, so that they can uh, take good care of uh, keeping their social distancing and things of that nature. So, uh, we'll find out what Kim has to say about what's going on. Uh, But uh, we were talking uh, about this uh, during a a break. uh, Elizabeth and I were texting back and forth. Uh, It's the first time I can remember, and she says the same for herself that's so little. Uh, is coming out about what's going on with uh, uh, the state government. So, uh, to be honest with you, uh, I want to know what's going on with the state. You know, you know about me and politicians. Uh, you know, you you can go ahead and uh, and say, okay, yeah, we'll uh, we'll take your word for it, but we're going to verify. It's the old Reagan uh, thought process about. Uh, what he said about uh, the nukes with the uh, the Russians you could trust them but you had to verify you had to make sure everything they were telling you was absolutely true by the way that uh, particular statement will now definitely play long uh, going into when you look into uh, China uh, you cannot uh, trust China uh, you know, as far as you can see them, so to speak, uh, about what they're telling us. I mean, considering what they did uh, last November and December of information that they held back about COVID-19 literally brought the economy of the world to its knees. Uh, Our economy was strong enough that it has hurt us, but we should be able to recover uh, from it fairly rapidly but uh very very tough all right we understand state senator kim hammer is with us and senator thanks for being with us
2: thank you dave for having me on this morning appreciate it
0: okay well how and what is going on over at euler you guys are at euler too is it not uh, where you're meeting with the senate
2: no, that's actually the House. The House is meeting over at uh, Jack Stevens Center, so they can okay. have enough room to spread out because, you know, there's 100 of them and 35 of us were able to make our arrangements in the in the um, uh, Senate chamber. Some of us are up in the gallery, so we're just practicing safe, you know, social distancing we're able to do it.
0: Well, the Secretary of State actually opened the doors for you guys, huh?
2: They've opened the doors to us. Uh, <laughs> general yeah, <laughs> got to treat John nice. But anyway, he, uh, they've been very accommodating. Worked out well.
0: Well, there's been. Uh, this has been the first year I can uh, remember, and uh, I've got a lot of years now—about 20 years—following uh, uh, you know fiscal sessions and general sessions and all the rest. Uh, that uh, very there 's been very little information coming out in the newspaper about what fiscal session is going on and what you guys are talking about uh, because of uh, you know we get all this stuff going on with the coronavirus, so bring us up to date. you guys started last week uh, what uh, what are the big uh, topics that you 're dealing with at this time.
2: Um, i tell you what, if you will, I'll go back to the week before that because we actually had a special session, and what the special session was all about was to give the governor authority with some legislative oversight, modified legislative oversight, uh, to be able to access the uh, $175 million that we had accumulated in surplus funds so that the governor could use that to purchase things like, uh, uh, there was like 500 respirators that he was going after and the PPEs that are needed. Uh, everybody thinks hospital, which give them credit. They're the hospitals and they're dealing with the sick folk. But there's also your frontline people like EMS, volunteer firemen, policemen, fire departments, um, you know, just all those folks that are dealing with it. So anyway, we had a three-day fiscal session, a three-day special session that gave him the latitude to use that surplus funding. And now last week we came back and went into fiscal session and it's a different fiscal session than what we were planning for back in March. And um, now we're now we're in the process of trimming the budget, and uh, that surplus money is is not there as of right now. Um, it was actually put in what's called the COVID nineteen response fund, and so we took the surplus money, moved it over there, so the government could have the ability to negotiate to buy things as we needed them spur of the moment, because uh, it's such a competitive market. And so that brought us into the fiscal session now.
0: Okay. Now, is it true that you guys are hoping to finish up by the end of this week?
2: Uh, actually, we will probably, there's a good chance we're going to finish up by Thursday. This kind of depends what plays out in a couple of committee meetings this morning. Um, budget goes in at 9 this morning, and there'll be a couple of things that will be discussed in there. And, you know, we anticipate that we'll be done by Thursday because we're trying to keep social distancing to a minimum and not do like some other legislatures in Georgia and other places where they, you know, had an outbreak within the legislative branch. And so we are trying to get done by Thursday.
0: Okay. So for my listeners, what are some things that they should be uh, aware of that uh, that is coming out of this session? Any surprises for you? Um
2: if they, if they work for a state agency, if they work for a state agency, they work for higher ed, they work for a department of education, uh, you know, on down the line, if they, if they get a check from the state of Arkansas for anything other than retirement, um, you, know, you know, retirement's not going to be touched at all. Um, they should expect their agencies are going to take a pretty good financial hit. Uh, what we're gonna do, and you just interrupt me, otherwise I'll just tell you
0: what we're gonna do. But well, you 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 tell us you got you got the information, not me.
2: So what we're gonna do is we're gonna take the uh, what was the nineteen twenty forecast, which we were looking to have a great financial year until all this COVID mess, uh, China COVID mess, by the way, hit, um, and we had a pretty good forecast going in in the 20-19-20 uh, distribution column and that all changed now. Um, you know, we're looking to experience a loss in anywhere between, and this is kind of a broad range, but anywhere between a you know, 200 to $350 million loss. The uh, um, estimates are kind of changing every other day just based on you know, how the revenue's coming in, but we're going to take everything that we had originally forecasted and we're only going to budget it. Uh, we have five columns. Actually, we've five columns. We have what's Called a column A, that's kind of the essential services that are going to get 85 percent, and then there'll be a A1 that will have two to five percent affiliated with it, and then you go to columns B, C, and D, and each one of those have five percent. So basically, what we're saying is we're going to start off the fiscal year, which begins July 1st, with the intent of funding all the state agencies, with the exception of Division of Elementary and Secondary Education. Um, education facility partnerships, the uh, DHS grants, and the Department of Corrections. Those five are are going to be fully funded in Columns A and A1, but we're going to start off at 85%, and then as the money comes in and as the financial condition of the state improves over the next year, we hope by the end of next year we'll be able to well, we've funded them at 100%, but um, they're all going to go into the fiscal year expecting to have to operate only off 85% of the budget, with the exception of those five that I mentioned. Right. Um, it's one way to It's one way to cut the growth of state government, for sure. It's just not the way anybody planned.
0: Uh, State Senator Kim Hammer is our guest. We're talking about the fiscal session that is ongoing that he feels like they're hopefully going to get done tomorrow and, and be finished with it. It would be one of the fastest fiscal sessions uh, I've ever seen. Uh, but they're doing what they absolutely have to do, getting in and getting out, because uh, they don't want to have an outbreak of uh, the the CCP virus uh, uh, with them. Uh, with with all that in mind, uh, Has it made it a little easier on cuts to education since schools aren't open at this time?
2: Well, education's actually not going to take a cut because we've got to deal with the DSEG issue, that if we cut funding to them, we're liable to end up back in court because of DSEG. So in their case, they're part of the group that's in in Category A that gets 85% guaranteed and the A1, which would make up the other part of their full budget because we can't really cut elementary and secondary education because of the DSEG lawsuit, and we don't want to get dragged back into that. Um, there were some things that were added to that that are not necessarily part of the DSEG environment. Um, that's about $9.7 million and it'll be the very last thing that'll be funded, and that would you know, in all likelihood be the end of or the middle of next year which is the end of the fiscal year and we'll just have to see how the economy rebounds to see if the revenues are there to fully fund it so yeah indirectly they got some cuts but it's put off way to the end and it was kind of what was being added because we had the surplus to add to it uh, so we, we didn't do anything that's going to threaten us to get us back in court with DSEG um, but we didn't we didn't Right now, we're not positioned to give them some of the things that they had wanted because the money's not there and it's not part of D.C. All
0: right. Let's take it. Let me go ahead and get a break in, and then we'll come back and finish up our conversation. State Senator Kim Hammer is with us. Uh, I want to pursue that a little bit more and talk to you about it, as well as reopening the economy in Arkansas. Has the governor said anything to you guys about that? Let's talk about it when we come back. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. we got State Senator Kim Hammer on with us, uh, telling us what's been going on in the fiscal session, what to expect. We'll get more information from him when we continue after this. We had eight minutes until the news, top of the hour. Don't forget, it's about five minutes after uh, seven. We'll be joined by uh, Congressman French Hill. He'll bring us up to date on what's being talked about in the halls of Congress. Uh, I want to talk to him about phase four that's being discussed. I want to talk to him about the uh, PPP and how the Democrats keep throwing wrenches in that. We know that there's small businesses that are going to need this money, uh, but uh, I mean, Nancy Pelosi saying you want 250 billion for for small business. We want you to bail out everybody's, uh, you know, retirement account across the United States, and that is just not going to happen. I hope. All right. With that all said, let's talk uh, with uh, State Senator Kim Hammer. Uh, Kim has been a, a guest on the Dave Ellswick Show for years. The man knows what's going on. He's doing a great job as a state senator. And uh, let me just ask this question as we were talking a little bit about the uh, uh, the budget. And I'm, I'm going to have you kind of put that into everyday words for everybody. But how about letting us know what happens if the money coming in is less than what you're even expecting? How are you going to, you know, take care of those kinds of revenue projections and, and realities since we have to have a, bu- a balanced budget?
2: Well, we're going in with a really conservative budget with the economic uh, environment the way it is. So we've already cut back about fifteen percent of what agencies were expecting to get. Now that'll be layered in as the economic environment improves over the next year, beginning July first. And so we feel like we're getting down pretty close to the bottom. But you know, if something unexpected happens, it things go even worse and you know, you can always be called back into a special session in order to be able to adjust the budget because we are mandated by law, one of the few states, um, which the federal government had this, but anyway, mandated by law that we've got to have a balanced budget. So agencies are just going to have to tighten their belt more than they've ever had to um, probably even more so than before 2008. So, yeah
0: i got to tell, tell you something there, Kim. Uh, Charlie Collins asked me what time, what I would do if I were elected governor, and I said mm-hmm. I'd cut state uh, state spending by 10%, and he, I thought he was going to have apoplexy right in front of me. He said, you can't do that. Here you are cutting 15%. I want to see how it all works out, because if you guys can do this and make everything run the way it's supposed to at 15%, you shouldn't be coming back and asking the people for more money.
2: Well let me clarify that. We're going in with a fifteen percent starting point, cut starting point. Okay. As things improve over the year through those monies designated in those columns, it's kinda like once you get to this point we'll add we'll add back to it. Once you get to the next point, we'll add back to it. The drive of ah. it is Is our economy going to recover quick enough over the next year that we can do that? If we can't, then you just got to live with what you got, which, you know, as a conservative, one of the things that I see as a positive out of this is if you wanted to, you know, cut state government, get it back to essential services, um, and what we ought to be doing as a government, this was certainly a backdoor way to get it done, whereas otherwise we've been having trouble getting it done because there's not enough conservatives voting for a conservative budget. So, you know... There's a, there's a benefit in everything, even a disaster. So
0: All right. So you told me during the break that you can make this, you can, you can talk about exactly what's happening in a way that the average Joe and Joette can understand. Explain.
2: Well, all I was going to say is you just imagine that you're going to, you know, at the end of this month you're going to have X amount of money and something unfortunately happens. So what do you got to do? You can't go borrow against your credit card because it's illegal to run up a debt. And so, what you have to do is you just have to adjust your budget back and prioritize what is, you know, what is regarded as essential services. And that's what we've done. We've taken all the agencies, we dialed them back equally across the board, except for those five that I mentioned that are really the essential services, and or we're bound by law that we can't, you know, cut them. And so that's what we do. And then we just sit back and we wait for things to improve um, where you would maybe get a raise or you would have extra money come in. And you just start, you know, you start climbing back to where you intended to be in the first place. And the next year we're going to be climbing back to where we had hoped we would have been. But because of this financial condition associated with the China virus, we're having to play hardball and just cut everything back.
0: All right, so with all of this going on, I got about a minute and a half left. Uh, reopening the state's economy. What's the governor telling you?
2: Well, quite honestly, the governor doesn't tell us as a legislative branch very much. Sometimes we find out the same time you do, so we kinda have to anticipate what he's you know, what he's thinking. Um, I don't think the governor, I think he has a proven history, he's not gonna do anything that's gonna cause us to take you know one step forward and two steps back and this is that time i think we've all got to exercise patience and understand the finish line is in sight but we don't want to get on a slippery slope and start sliding backwards so that's kind of a very broad vague answer only because we don't really know we find out stuff about the time everybody else does and then we adjust to it accordingly but uh, you know based on everything everybody said i'm i'm just personally not expecting anything probably till June, just because we've got to get over the hump this week or next week. And then everybody keep doing what they're doing, social distancing wise and everything so that we can, you know, get this thing eliminated and get about our business.
0: All right. We're out of time, Kim. I appreciate you getting up and, uh, and talking to us. When sessions start today?
2: Uh, we, we go to budget at nine and then, uh, but, uh, Session will start at eleven o'clock, and we'll be there probably this afternoon, and then try to wrap it up by tomorrow night.
0: Yeah, I was going to say catch, uh, get some breakfast on the way in, but you can't do that because no place is open, dude. We'll get together when things are open again and have breakfast together. What do you say?
2: That sounds great. I got a long list of people I'm gonna go out to eat with, so all I'll right, do it.
0: Talk to you right. later. State Senator Kim Hammer here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about his website. That is thekimhammershow.com. He'll be posting on my uh, Facebook page as well. Try to keep you up to date on what's going on in during the fiscal session. That's the latest on that. We've got Congressman coming on next on the Dave Ellswick Show. Second hour of the show for Wednesday, hump day, middle of the weekday, over the hill day, closer to Friday than we were on Monday. And there's a lot to talk about as joining us from uh, Washington, D.C. today is Congressman French Hill. He joins us every Wednesday at 7.05, rain or shine. And uh, there's a lot of questions to be asked today. Let me just start off. We just had a story. I've been telling people uh, the truth about this, and now there is a story on about from the Treasury Department saying the checks that people are seeing in their bank accounts today uh, that have direct deposit for the monies that are being deposited by uh, the government, by the Treasury Department, uh, will not be included on next year's tax returns. You're not going to be paying it back. Now, I can't, I don't know what the state government is doing. Maybe you can even answer that question, uh, Congressman Hill. But uh, as far as the federal government goes, that's not going to be, uh, you know, going against you tax time next year.
2: Good morning, Dave. Uh, that's right. Uh, I, do, I don't know the answer to the uh, state question, but. About 80 million Americans are getting a direct deposit today from the Treasury for these mine. tax rebates. And I'm so pleased that Secretary Mnuchin moved so quickly. If you have not gotten one by direct deposit, the IRS has set up a very helpful uh, website, irs.gov, and the backslash is where is my check. So That's it. You can't get you can't get more specific than that. <laughs>
0: Yeah. yeah and it'll, it'll
2: let you give that information on how to get it direct to bond.
0: Yeah, what they've done is they've they've switched over from uh, what they do at tax time. It, it was irs.gov backslash, you know, where's my refund. And uh, so you could track that and keep uh, track of when you could expect the money to, to land in your account. With all of this said, uh, you've got to be happy that this part of uh, this was from phase three. Uh, has gone through, but I'm hearing that the PPP is nearly out of money. It may be out of money by uh, the end of this week. Uh, I think I heard the uh, minority leader talk about this McCarthy and, and uh, that uh, you all are trying to get something worked up with the Democrats to get about, what is it, $250 billion more available to small businesses in the country. But uh, I think I saw Steny Hoyer said that uh, Democrats not going to be back in Washington till at least May 4th, unless there's an emergency. <coughs> I love that. Unless there's an emergency, as though we're not in emergency status right now.
2: Yeah, I can't see a bigger emergency, so Steny's a master of understatement. Let me tell you what's going on there. Mitch McConnell... Uh, came to the House the Senate floor last Thursday and said, let's have $250 billion more for the Small Business Paycheck Protection Program. Let's do that by unanimous consent. Let's not add anything to it. Let's just change the number in the CARES Act to increase it by 250. And Uh Democrats objected. Democrats blocked that bill. Nancy Pelosi in the House and Chuck Schumer in the Senate came out and said, no, 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 we want to have... More benefits for SNAP, more benefits for cities, more benefits for uh, hospitals. And Mitch McConnell said, look, we just appropriated $2.2 trillion. We haven't even spent the money that we've appropriated. The only thing that we've done that's running over the expectation and faster is the Paycheck Protection Program. So let's keep our focus on that. We'll come back in two weeks or three weeks or a month and assess if we did the proper thing about hospitals. And they still rejected it.
0: Yeah, I, I, I've been following this pretty doggone closely, uh, Congressman. And it also seems like uh, Pelosi wants bailouts for states like Illinois uh, on their pension programs and stuff. Is Is that another fly in the ointment?
2: Yes, the CARES Act specifically allowed uh, money to states to help them meet their unexpected, unprecedented COVID-19 expenses. So Arkansas got $1.25 billion (laughs) to the state for use in the state and local governments here, meaning cities and counties, for those unexpected costs. But it does not address a revenue shortfall. And, of course, in states like Connecticut and Illinois, to name two, who are notoriously poorly managed and have serious debt problems, the Congress didn't want this money going to plug that hole.
0: And they want to plug the hole with it, and so they're willing to hold up small businesses all over the United States. I mean, one program that is working well is the PPP. As of yesterday, and you correct me if I'm wrong, over a million checks have gone out to small businesses across the United States to keep them in business, and there's still businesses that need help, correct?
2: That's right. Here in Arkansas, 14,800 loans have been approved through yesterday. 2.1 billion dollars, 2.1 billion dollars in Arkansas, two small businesses to keep their payrolls going and to keep those folks off the unemployment line and to help those small businesses keep their rent current, keep their insurance premiums current so that when we get through the pandemic peak in a couple of weeks they think, can think about going back to work in May or early June depending on what kind of business it is.
0: Yeah, it's it's amazing and you 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 use the magic words going back to work. The president said that May 1st, if not earlier, he hoped to start seeing businesses uh, reopening here in the United States. Uh, as far as the China virus is concerned, you know, what's your take on uh, on all this? I mean, I guess you've got to kind of read the tea leaves like everybody else does by hearing what the president says. Uh, what do you think is going to occur?
2: I believe that... Um the president's right to convene a group of business leaders to talk through the topic. But I do think every business is unique. I think every city is unique. I think people will open up if they can keep their employees safe, give their customers confidence. And even Gavin Newsom, our governor out in California, says the exact same thing, says that California would be moving away from its from massive shelter-in-place order to a more individual approach. That's what's coming next. I think all businesses who want to make money, who want to serve their customers, who want to happily employ their employees, are thinking overtime about how to get to work safely. And I think that's the direction the president's now going in, and I think it can be done. I think it will be different in every place in the country, but I think it can be done.
0: Is the let me just add, pick your your brain a little bit. is the is the thought in Congress and in the you know the executive branch going to be you know when we reopen, hot spots are going to pop up. There's no doubt that that will happen, but we will have the necessary information coming in by then that we can react to those hot spots when they do occur.
2: Right. Look, for confidence, I think that um, we need to be able to tell our healthcare professionals, the CEOs of our hospitals, of our clinics, look, there's plenty of PPE. We believe you can operate your facility safely. Don't close your facility just because you're trying to conserve PPE, personal protective equipment. Well, Mm -hmm. they haven't had that confidence. And so if we give them that confidence, that will help them. Likewise, uh, individual companies want to have that same ability they can operate uh, safely. So once the people have that, I think that will be aided by broader testing, and every governor is expanding testing uh, massively across the country. So testing, personal hygiene, and adequate PPE allows you to sort of manage those hot spots and begin – and some have suggested, you know, if we, when we have massive testing, we'll also know who's, uh, got the disease or could be potentially, uh, a carrier for the disease and we can quarantine them instead of quarantining the whole population. Uh, and so I think we'll get more sophisticated as we go forward and that'll help people go about their daily lives.
0: You know, we've seen a lot of things happen during the the Chinese virus outbreak. We've seen the president cut through a lot of governmental regulations like their butter. Uh, With that uh, said... Are we looking at trying to keep things the way they are now so that, you know, uh, in the future when we've got new treatments, new drugs, that it won't take so long to bring them to market uh, but still have a a way of safely, uh, you know, uh, making sure that they're going to be safe for the general public? Do we have to go back the way it was or can we make this the new reality?
2: Well, I think it's a wake up call for the drug development <laughs> effort, excuse me. Um, in 2016, uh, at the end of the Obama administration, Congress passed the 21st Century Cures Act, which encouraged speedier drug approvals, faster approval, particularly for generic drugs, and reoriented uh, federal research dollars to the diseases and issues that could cause the most harm and most expense to the American family and people. So Congress is on the same page with speedier drug discovery and speedier drug access. Uh, This has certainly given the FDA a wake-up call on that. So I think we will be more streamlined. Naturally, we want to make sure drugs that are used by the public are safe and have passed all those kinds of checks. But if we can shrink that time frame of about 10 years down, uh, we will save more lives.
0: Absolutely. Our guest is Congressman French Hill, uh, Congressman of District Number 2, bringing us up to date on what's happening in Washington, D.C., about the Chinese virus, the COVID-19 uh, virus. We'll talk more with him, but we got to get a break in here on the Dave Ellswick Show. 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I just heard that, that, that ad, and I just... My head about spun off my shoulders. I'm sorry. Uh, back with you <laughs> with, with Congressman French Hill. Congressman, I want to talk. I, I got to ask you a question about China. Uh, it's becoming very obvious now as you watch the stories in the press. And even they can't rewrite these stories in such a way to make Trump look bad. Uh, it, it it looks as though uh, The economies of the world are telling China there's going to be a dear price to pay for lying to us. I'm not saying that they withheld information. I'm telling you that the the head of the Chinese government lied to the world and put us in the position that we are right now because of those lies. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. The reason you do trade with uh, countries that may be your enemy is you figure if they do some trade with you and they 're getting money and it 's helping their people some, but more it 's it 's you know feathering the pocket of the the politicals and their political system, etc. Your chances of going to war are smaller than if you don 't have trade uh, with those countries so my My question is it seems to me you 've got to walk kind of a razor 's edge with China. Uh, We want their economy uh, to succeed. However, they have got to pay a price for what they've done. Uh, Am am I on the right track on this?
2: Well, look, we've never had a, a country the size of China who integrated completely their economy with the Western free market economic economies and maintains the fact that they're a communist authoritarian dictatorship. The Soviet Union never did that for the 70 years of the Cold War, 60 years of the Cold War. And certainly that hadn't happened in other communist authoritarian governments. They don't integrate. That's mm-hmm. the challenge. This one has, and it's presented trade problems. It's presented national security problems. And now uh, the leader there, she, has decided that China is going to assert itself be a national security leader in Asia by building a huge navy, building a national security leader in space, by competing with the West in space, by dominating trade, stealing information, and the same in cyber and technology. So they've become essentially a rival and a threat instead of this poor, giant, poor company that we were trying to get up to Uh, improve their economic standing. In other words, our strategy effectively has backfired due to China changing its position, you know, not moving towards pluralism, democracy, freedom of speech, or liberty, Uh, just the opposite.
0: So with that in mind, how much how much because when I read these articles, when I hear these statements from different you know, senators and congressmen uh, and and uh, administration officials, it sounds like uh, the government is looking for some way of being very punitive towards China.
2: Well, I think we're resetting the judgment. You know, you've got people like Joe Biden, our former vice president. Who's China says China's not a rival, they'll never beat the United States, don't worry about them. And then you have those in the national security and economic analysis, myself included, who say that, look, China has pivoted. They began pivoting about five years ago strongly, and we have to change strategies. So in the House Financial Services Committee, we are now demanding that any country that borrows money from China has to disclose the terms and conditions before they can get a bank from the world, a loan from the World Bank. We are demanding the XM Bank in the United States not finance Chinese exports of 5G around the world. We are uh, changing uh, how we oversee their access to the World Bank as a, a emerging middle-income country. And this is critical on the national security side. Likewise, DOD is much more aggressive than the Obama administration was in keeping the seas open uh, in the South China Sea and demonstrating to China that uh, we are not going to tolerate interference in Taiwan or dominance in Vietnam or uh, trying to take property away from the Philippines or uh, Japan.
0: Now, I, I heard that uh, the uh, government, uh, in fact, the, uh, the Congress has done a study. And in Wuhan, when this uh, Chinese virus broke out, I mean, they sealed off that city. They They welded doors shut that people couldn't get out of, <clears throat> except that they kept their international airport open and were sending people that they knew were sick to other areas in the world to – that's close to almost a, uh, a thing where you can say that's almost like a declaration of war against other countries, is it not?
1: Well,
2: look, she again, is an authoritarian. What is the biggest problem with authoritarian, non-transparent governments? They lie, and they cover up, and they have covered up this failure in Wuhan and their exportation of this virus, and they've even attempted to put out propaganda by having foreign ministry officials say, oh, oh, well, that's created by the U.S. Army. I mean, this is um, when they go to that length to cover up their sin, uh, you're going to have ramifications in Europe, Africa, Asia, and the United States and Latin America against China for all the things we just talked about, plus now not standing up, taking responsibility and contributing to the fight against coronavirus. They've done the opposite.
0: Now, well, so you see things uh, getting tougher for the Chinese and not not, not following the same type of uh, policy we have. That's why it's important to make sure that President Trump gets reelected, as well as you and, and Crawford and Westerman and, and Womack here in the state of Arkansas.
2: Well, we appreciate that. I have, uh, you know, I think this is uncovered and shown to a lot of Americans this pivot, negative pivot in China's relations with other countries around the world. But it's also uncovered our dependency on China from a supply chain. You'll see American business accelerate. They've done it for the past three years, but they're going to accelerate exiting uh, China as a sole source destination. And I've offered legislation to insist on that in medical supplies and medical devices. I don't think America should be dependent on this critical personal protection equipment, medical equipment, or our pharmaceutical supply chain by having key components sourced in only one place, which is a country like China.
0: I agree. We are out of time. Let's hold this up for next week and pursue it further here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Congressman, thank you for the time. Congressman, French Hill District 2. We'll get back with him next Wednesday. Right now, though, it's time for us to get to Rush. Rush has got his update for us. He'll uh, have some uh, important words to say. We'll do a do break in and then we'll be back with Liz Harrington from the RNC. What do the elections look like if the Democrats have their way? We're going to talk to her about that. Back with you, Dave ellswick 's show. We move into the 735 segment of the show. We've had a great show thus far. If you if you haven't been for, uh, with us for the very beginning of this ride today, uh, look, we've told you all about this new uh, test using, uh, you know, in layman terms, spit uh, to be able to tell that people have uh, the uh, uh, COVID uh, virus, the uh, the Chinese virus, the Wuhan virus, the CCP virus, I want to remind you that it came from China, and the reason that he, the country and the United States has have uh, the problems that they have is because uh, the man who runs that country, the man who's at the top, lied to the world. He lied to the world, and, uh, now's not the time that we can talk about it, but there's going to have to be a, uh, a time of, uh, of, of punitive action against the uh, the chinese government and we'll talk about that uh, as this week continues to go uh, go on hey don't forget about uh, pi roofing pi roofing is taking good care of you so that you don't have to worry about your roof as much as you're worrying about right now about social distancing and everything else and trying to keep from catching the chinese virus and uh seen uh, someone in your household that maybe is at, at risk for high risk for getting the virus. Uh, they don't want you to have to spend time worrying about your roof. And we've had some hailstorms recently, had some high winds, had some close to tornadic activity. And some of you need some work on your uh, roof uh, to get that done. And get it done in a way that's safe so you don't have to, look, you don't have to go into an office. You don't have to have the people come out and sit at your table. They can do all of this over the phone or over the Internet and get it set up. And they'll take the, the care of working with your insurance company and, and whatnot and get your roof back to 100%, or maybe you lost some gutters, or you got you know, some windows blown out, or something like that, know that the folks at PI Roofing can help you. They're not just a, a a roofing company. They're a contractor as well, so they can take care of a lot of the Uh, jobs you have to get done around your house all you have to do is uh, give them a call and that's at 707-3551 707-3551 or visit them at piroofing.com i understand liz harrington is on the line with us hello liz how are you
5: hey i'm good dave how are you
0: i'm doing fantastic okay so you got a great great op-ed uh, that came out a few days ago. Uh, the uh, the COVID-19 voting reforms. Democrats repackage old left wing plans for today's crisis. They just never give up on the left Liz. They never give up. I mean, there can be an inch of dust on the folders of the plans that they have laid, but when they think they got the time, they pull them out, they blow the dust off, and they act like they're bringing something new. That's not the case here. It's the same old, same old. I'd like you to talk about what they want to do to screw up the elections in
5: this country. Sure. Yeah, it's so true. I never, never let a crisis go to waste. Well, now it's never let a pandemic go to waste. And you've seen it. Democrats at every turn trying to get their political agenda through on the backs of Americans who are hurting right now. That has nothing to do with the coronavirus. So Elizabeth Warren comes out with a plan. She says, ah, I have a plan for how to vote during a pandemic. Well, if you do a quick little Google search and you find her last plan for voting, uh, it was released in last June. It had nothing to do with the coronavirus, but it's the exact same thing. She wants Mandatory early uh, voting Expanded by 30 days And then mm. she once expanded Mail-in voting a- Across the board as well Which is inherently contradictory Because of the, on the one hand Democrats are saying It's too dangerous to leave the House That's why we have to vote, all vote by mail But on the other They're saying Please leave the House For 30 days uh, Open before Election Day And it's really all about Democrats thinking that they will get a political advantage at the ballot box by these measures. And they're the same thing. So at the same time, Elizabeth Warren wants to send a ballot to every single registered voter, which never mind that states don't clean up their rolls and you have millions of more registered voters than there are living adults of eligible, uh, eligible voting age on the Uh, in this country so they want an influx of more ballots than there are eligible voters and they also want to strip voter integrity at the same time one of the things in Elizabeth Warren's plan is uh, states like Pennsylvania where they're going to be doing absentee voting for a primary Uh, when you vote absentee in Pennsylvania you still have to show proof of identity you have to have a copy of your driver's license or some other form of identification Elizabeth Warren is using the pandemic to say, no, states should waive all those requirements, strip voter integrity laws, uh, because and using social distancing as an excuse, it's really shameful. And they're using a pandemic uh, that's causing a lot of hurt for a lot of people. And they're using it to get a political edge during our elections and completely change the way we vote in this country.
0: Yeah. And and you go on and you look at what Pelosi's trying to do with the whole thing of ballot harvesting. And I'd like you to talk a little bit about that, because, you know, you bring I say that term and people go, what? you know, they have no idea. Explain to people what ballot harvesting is all about.
5: Sure. So this is something that they have in California and some other liberal states uh, have put into place. It is so it allows that campaign operatives can go to, door to door to collect people's ballots. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, is, it is really, people can't even believe when you hear that this is happening, that this is legal. And they've made it legal in states like California, but Democrats want to make it nationalized. Nancy Pelosi bill puts $4 billion, which this is what she held up aid to Americans over. She didn't get it, uh, but this is what she wanted to do. She wants $4 billion for all mail-in voting, but it's a ruse for ballot harvesting. It allows campaign operatives to even be paid to go door-to-door collecting these mail-in ballots. There would be an influx of ballots that are blank, that are just sent out there uh, in Pelosi's bill. Uh, and you would—they would even be allowed to be paid as long as they're not paid for the number of ballots they collect. But it's completely unethical, and it's, it absolutely opens the door for fraud. Absolutely opens the door for votes to be, co- voters to be coerced, um, uh, for votes to be bought and sold, and it, it would absolutely increase the uncertainty in our elections, because think of this, at a time when there's so much uncertainty right now, one thing we need to be able to depend on is our the sanctity of our vote and our the faith and integrity in our elections. Democrats, I, if you, I'm old enough to remember, spent quite a bit time screaming about security of our elections over the last yeah. couple of years. But what in California, where they have ballot harvesting, you don't get the results on election day. You get results days and sometimes even weeks later. There were eight or nine races in the 2018 midterms. Republican held seats in Orange County and other places in California uh, where Republicans had uh, representatives. Well, all of them were winning on election night. But. By the time the ballots were harvested, uh, days and weeks went by, the results completely flipped in all of those races, and now they all have Democrats sitting in Congress. It is, that is why Democrats want ballot harvesting. It's corrupt, and, and they're trying to do it in Nevada. You have Mark Elias, who's a Democrat attorney, who's threatening to sue that unless the state which ballot harvesting is illegal... Unless they waive that, they're going to sue the state over this election, and that just gives the game away. It's not about safety for voting because if you have campaign operatives and people going door to door, that's not social distancing either. No. So it's all—they've given it away, and it's all about power, and it's all about them trying to get a political edge and and, and cheat, as the president said in the election.
0: Now, let's let's break down uh, this whole thing about voting by mail. You have a, a, a whole paragraph or two dealing with voting via mail uh, in your op ed that you published in, uh, in Fox News's uh, website. And you talk about back in 2016, the last presidential election. Tell everybody what happened during that time.
5: Right. So if you look, because people act, it sounds like a no-brainer. Oh, well, it's going to be too dangerous. Everyone just vote by mail. And that sounds great. Well, look at the data. What does it say about voting by mail absentee? Of course, Republicans, we do not oppose it in all circumstances. It's a necessary tool for members of the military and other individuals that can't be in their home state on Election Day. However, when you do it across the board, you're going to have so many problems so if you look at um at what happened in 2016 there are millions of votes that aren't counted there are millions of votes uh, th- uh, ballots that go out there that are never returned you have uh, you had a study and this happens every single election and as voting by mail in different states has increased you see that um this happens more frequently. And you can even ask liberal election law experts. There's a guy named Richard Hasen that he's he's been talking about this for years where he, they they pull him out to confront uh, President Trump for when he was saying how, um, you know, Democrats won't accept the election results if they lose. Well, it mm-hmm. turns out he was certainly right about that. Um, but. He was also uh, saying that if you do have fraud, you have fraud by mail, and that's where it's most common. And the New York Times wrote all about it in 2012. They had an expose how fraud is easier by mail, um, uh, and how in, in in elections they had they went to an expert at Yale. They went to all of these people, and they said this is, this cannot happen. Vote by mail is not as reliable as in person voting. And so in 2016, you had 400,000 absentee votes that were never counted. And that's only an election uh, where a quarter of the votes were sent by mail. So imagine on a grand scale Every You know, all these ballots in circulation that don't even match an eligible voter. Uh, imagine everyone having to rely on the Postal Service. Imagine when you have registration rolls with the Pew Research Center did a study uh, back in 2012 as well, that one in eight – Um, had significant flaws or errors in their registrations, one in eight voters. So imagine the chaos, imagine the uncertainty, imagine the disenfranchisement, and imagine the lack of integrity in an election like that. So that's why we really need to explain to people that Democrats are using this to to try to rig an election in their favor. That's just, there's no other explanation because voting in person, whether you're on the left or the right and an election expert, you agree, there's just no substitute. It's more reliable, it's safer, it's more secure. And there are ways we can make people feel safe and make it cleaner and make it, uh, we can do social distancing at the polls. We can deploy more cleaning supplies. We can do things that we honestly, common sense, basically things, that we should be doing anyway, because every November is the start of flu season. And so that's what we need to be talking about. But we cannot throw out all of our voter integrity. We cannot throw out the way we live our life and the way we do our elections. If Democrats got their way, it would be a third world voting fiasco. That's what it would be. And there would be we would have so... No confidence in our institutions and at a time when we really need to restore confidence, whether it's the Justice Department, the FBI and Obama and everything that they did uh, to try to overturn that last result. Well, this would be a recipe for them rigging the result before it even happens. So uh, we, we have to push back. We need voter integrity laws in this country.
0: All right. One last question, and then I'm going to let you go, Liz. I've I've held you over. Well, I'm not going to apologize. It's important important for everybody to understand this. It really, really is. Look, I grew up outside of Chicago. I can tell you how important voting integrity is, because I have seen it misused and abused so many times. Final question. In your article, you said that in Wisconsin they unsuccessfully tried to allow voting after election day? You got to be kidding me.
5: Wisconsin was such a mess. And the governor there, uh, what really happened there is he didn't want to delay his primary because they wanted Joe Biden to be able to clinch the nomination earlier, because this is back when Bernie Sanders was still in the race. So he hesitated. And rather than delay it, they went through with it. But then they tried all these shenanigans of changing the election laws. And they didn't. It's amazing. They wanted mail-in votes to be counted a week after Election Day. We challenged this. We won in the Supreme Court. Uh, But the fight isn't over because I mentioned Nevada. The same usual suspects are are out there suing to try to get these changes and throw out these rules. We we are there, and that's why the Republican Party is fighting back at every turn to keep integrity. Can you imagine voting a week after Election Day? (laughs) It's just that that, that's not, and they always accuse (laughs) us of we're just racist and we want to disenfranchise people. It's like, no, we just want people to vote freely and fairly and, oh, I don't know, on time. Yeah,
0: (laughs) yeah, really. It's not like we're not giving them enough time that they can go three weeks before Election Day and vote. Liz Harrington from the RNC. Thanks for the time, Liz. Always a pleasure. Great article. We're posting it up on Facebook, and uh, we'll keep people in in the know. You keep us in the know. Thanks so much.
5: Thank you. Be well.
0: All right. Liz Harrington here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Final break and more coming up on the Dave Ellswick Show. According to Forbes, 96% of Americans, let me give you that. That figure again, 96% claim their Social Security benefits at the wrong time. And that mistake can cost them up to an average of $111,000 over their retirement. Can you afford to lose $111,000 in Social Security income? I couldn't. I'm sure you couldn't either. Learn how you could... Uh, avoid this blunder with a free social security analysis and it's from David Lucas Financial right here in North Little Rock if you've saved more than $250,000 you've not filled or not filed for social security be one of the first 10 callers to schedule your free analysis now at 501-222-3315 this free analysis can be done over the phone or through video conferencing. Don't have to go into office. Don't have to have somebody come in your home. This can be done over one of your uh, communication devices. Call 501-222-3315. 501 Look, I know the social distancing has a lot of us hanging out at home, and it's driving us crazy, and uh, we keep thinking about just that. There's still life to be lived, and one of the things to do when you're living life is to make sure you do your Social Security correctly. You want to make sure you're going to get every penny you legally have coming to you, and you can do that, and you need to go through... Uh, This whole free analysis, again, the number 501-222-3315, call today. Investment advisory services offered through David Lucas Financial and Arkansas Registered Investment Advisor. we got three minutes before the top of the hour. Uh, I was talking to uh, Congressman Hill during the break, and uh, I know that on Saturday on Kim Hammer's show at noon, he's going to have Steve Womack on, Congressman Womack. If the Republicans would take back the House, he would be the chair of the Appropriations Subcommittee, probably the most the most uh, uh, powerful committee in Congress. And on top of that, you'd have Crawford, Congressman Crawford, in uh, District 1, uh, would be uh, the Ag Chairman. And in uh, District 4, you've got Westerman. He would probably be the... Uh, uh, natural resources kind of person to do that, and uh, this is all things that could be uh, can be done. It, I mean, you think about in, in French Hill banking over in the Senate. Bozeman, chairman of Agriculture, looks like he's in, on the fast track for that. Tom Cotton. Who knows where Tom Cotton's going to end up? Tom Cotton. Uh, has been all over the news and has been uh, leading the charge against uh, China. Uh, he's going to be a chairman of some committee. I can tell you that uh, right now. Think about that. Take you back eight years when we had just a bunch of uh, uh, blue dogs and and liberals that were representing our state and had no power. And now to a state that has uh, ground Zero, in in most uh, cases, for power. It's amazing uh, what a little under a decade has brought to us here in the state of Arkansas. All right, break. Uh, Joe and Duck will be with us after the news, which is coming up next. And they'll answer your car questions. Eight two three zero nine six five is the local number. Eight two three zero nine six five. Give us a call. They'll be happy to take your car question. Plus, I have ones that you've sent in by email. Heidi's already sent those to me, so I've got those ready to be uh, brought up with Joe and Duck. So it's Joe and Duck. Uh, from the Bumper to Bumper Certified Service, uh, service Centers, uh, ready to talk to you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Take a quick break, back with more in a moment after the news. After eight o'clock, Joe and Duck are with us from the Bumper Bumper Certified Service Centers to answer your car questions. We do this every week, and uh, if you're having something going on with your car, uh, this is something that uh, is your time. This is your time to call in and ask. For instance, I'll start off. Yesterday, I'm driving down the road uh, with my uh, wife, and all of a sudden, my uh, car starts dinging and says that the billet uh, track has been turned off. What would cause that to happen? Uh, i start off with you, Joe. What what would cause that to just happen out of the blue?
6: Well, it's probably set a code. It could be uh, ABS light and a brake light came on too, didn't it, Dave?
0: Uh, the only thing that I saw was the little triangle yellow light that comes on for uh the stability uh the uh, you know the 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 link to it. that was it yeah the stability that was it nothing else
6: well it's got a button in there that turns it on and off if you turn it off it'll bring that on until you you've you manually turned it off
0: well That's i tried amazing. that and didn't that wasn't the problem
6: well it could we still have got a code, in, center code it could have uh most of the time, if it's a wheel speed sensor, it brings on the ABS light and some other ah,
0: stuff. Ah, remember we had problems with a, a, a rear sensor, a tire sensor uh, last week. Maybe it died on me. Who knows?
6: Well, it might have, so we just have to code test it and see what's going on there, Dad. Okay, yeah, you know,
0: we'll take a look at it. See how fast that was and how easy it was? That wasn't difficult at all, folks. This is your opportunity 8230965. 8230965. I think I've replaced three of those over the last year, so I guess the last one might have just died. So that's something that we'll look into uh, with you, Joe. No problem whatsoever with that. Uh, uh, we'll we'll come by maybe see you before the end of the week. With that said,
6: go uh, ahead talk just a little bit about tire monitors if you if you have yeah. a minute. Yeah, sure. I, I like for folks out there to understand that tire monitors are are the, the the electronic device that goes in the tire when the tire's mounted that tells the vehicle how much air pressure's in it. and, right. and those those devices can't come when they're built with a built-in battery. Now, uh, they transmit an electronic signal with the data, the temperature, the uh, how much air pressure is in it, and the vehicle receives that information. But when these sensors get old, Dave, those batteries get weak, and then that doesn't put out as good a signal, and sometimes you'll lose that signal, and then you'll get a light on. Okay. Well, th- about 9 to 10 years is about the maximum life you get on any of those.
0: Yeah, so
2: yeah some of them don't, don't get that long.
6: Yeah, I know it. Some of them are shorter than that, but nine or ten years about maximum you get, and they uh, will start failing. If you have one go bad, you have to remember that they're all born at the same time, right, Doug? Yeah, and
2: they all got the same battery in them, so they got the same life in them.
6: There you go. So if you have one going bad, get ready. You're going to have two or three more or all of them before long, right, Doug?
0: Yep. Oh, yeah, they're eventually all going to fail yeah and and it's not like you can just uh, open up and put a new battery in you got to buy a new unit correct yes
6: correct. you have to replace the sensor All average right. cost on those sensors is anywhere from fifty to sixty dollars a piece
0: yeah that's not bad i mean
6: I, you know, i've if, had if you that car
0: since oh eight
6: yeah if if you have uh if you have tires mounted on it and you have one that's bad when you have the tires mounted you can buy the sensors and have them installed or buy them from the company that's mounting your tires and have them installed at the same time and it'll save you some money on installation because you're doing it when you have the tires off so then you just have to purchase the sensors and then uh, the tire whoever company mounts the tires for you will uh, program them for you well
0: you don't have double labor Yeah, I'll tell you what we'll we'll look at doing uh, then, Joe. We'll look back and see when we replace those sensors at other times uh, in the car. And Mm -hmm. uh, maybe we go in and replace three or four of them instead of just one of them.
6: Yeah, well, we can do that. You know, that's not a problem. But uh, I just wanted folks out there to know that they're eventually all going to go bad because the batteries get weak and you can't replace the battery. You have to replace the sensor.
0: Because I think that that left rear tire, I think that sensor was getting a little bit uh, weak as it was because I know he learned that uh, last week when he rotated the tires, and then it it showed like it hadn't, and I'm thinking maybe that is probably the one that needs to be replaced. But we'll find out. I mean I'm rich. I'm 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 flush with money now. The federal government you know, today's uh, <laughs> April fifteenth and usually I'm paying taxes. They're sending me checks today. I'm kinda liking
6: oh, That's great.
0: That's great. <laughs> <laughs> hey Dave I get paid today too. Yeah, you'll get paid so will uh so will Joe. Now my question for you guys is has everything worked out well for you for the PPP? Uh, yeah, yes, can't sir. we not complain, Dave. Yeah, they, we, did, uh, they, we were, they actually did their job, didn't they? It's amazing when government works how nice it is.
6: Yeah, we, we applied for it and received it, I think it was uh, Monday afternoon late.
0: Fantastic. That's That's great. As of yesterday, I don't know if you guys heard this or not, but one million checks have gone out to small businesses. Uh, to keep them in business. I mean, we are in such a different time right now uh, than we have been in the past. We're at, you know, you guys are actually getting some money back. I mean, it's about time when you consider how much money you pay the government to be in business.
6: Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a big chunk of change when you go to figuring everything up. Uh, I just want to remind everybody that's listening out there this morning that all the bumper-to-bumper certified service centers were open for business. And if you're at home, uh, you know, doing your social distancing and you've been uh, uh, furloughed from work or you just been laid off or whatever, and you need your car fixed or worked on, bring it in. Now's the time. We all have open spots for you, don't we, Duck?
2: Yes, we do. And, you know, and say again, Joe, you don't even have to talk to us. Just call us on the phone. Tell us what you want, what you need. Drop your car in the key box. uh, Put your name on a piece of paper. Drop it in the key box. We'll call you when we get through. And all you got to do is pay over the phone, and we'll put the key in the car and send you on your way.
0: It's a great deal. It really is. I mean, you guys have made it as easy as possible uh, for the customer. And let me just put this out. Here's something you should be thinking about. Yeah, today you got up and it was 30 degrees or maybe 34 degrees like it was in Cabot. But in the outlying areas, like in Hot Springs, it was 30 this morning. You guys had uh, some frost on the pumpkin, so to speak. But uh, here's the thing you need to know. You're going to need your air conditioner within the next four weeks probably. Now's the time while you've got this extra space uh, at the uh, bumper-to-bumper service centers to go ahead and get those uh, uh, air conditioners checked and charged and taken care of. Correct, guys?
6: Oh, absolutely, Dave. It's, uh, you know, air conditioning, uh, low freon level burns up more air compressors than uh, anything out there. So if it's moderately low, it needs to be checked and the charge on it, and filled, and put a little oil in there, a little dye in there, because if it's low, it's leaking a little bit, and help us—the dial help us find the leak. So, it—it's it, uh, it's the best thing you can do for your air conditioning system is get the charge checked on it and, and get it topped off.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's and, really a good thing to do. Go ahead, Duck. And another thing too, Joe. Now's the time to be chasing uh, replacing your uh, cabin air filter. It's
2: called all the green <laughs> junk that's come through the vents, and now's the time to replace it.
0: Yeah, I replaced okay. mine yesterday. How, how does it look, <laughs> Doc? Is it doing its job? Oh, yeah, it had a green tent to it instead of a white tent. Yeah.
6: But That's doing a little social distancing in your car, cleaning yeah. air that comes from outside <laughs> in right there.
2: Yeah, I absolutely. Told me, me, and me and Teresa started somewhere the other day, and she said, I'm going to have to sit in the back seat so I can get far enough away from you.
6: <laughs> that's she funny. She, she, gonna, she gonna let you chauffeur her around. I mean she yeah, gonna, yeah you are gonna chauffeur her around.
0: Yeah. Yeah, she she carrying is she carrying a, a tape measure around, uh, Doc? I uh, I don't know, but she won't hardly get out of the house.
2: She's she's staying in the house. I can't hardly get her out.
0: Oh, that's crazy. <clears throat> you know, it, just think here in a couple of weeks we're gonna move beyond all of this and life is slowly gonna return to the normal that we had before this and then it will pass out of our minds it just will I I don't see people I saw a, a poll yesterday guys said 72 percent of baseball fans said they probably wouldn't go to a game this year and I thought to myself what are you out of your mind? Or, you know, I'm going to go to a baseball game. I'm going to go to a football game. I'm going out and living my life. I refuse just to sit at home. It's driving me crazy now. Absolutely yeah. driving me crazy.
6: Yeah, but, you're going to get cabin fever, that's for sure.
0: Well, I'm, it's I'm not going to get. I've got.
1: <laughs> I've got yeah, my crap, it, man. My-
0: my granddaughter told told her mother yesterday, she said, mom, I'm getting
2: out of the house today. I've been in here for three weeks. I'm I'm leaving, going somewhere. Yeah, today, absolutely. She, she said if I had to just go ride around in a, in my car for a day or for an hour or two, but she said I'm leaving the house. So,
0: well, Saturday I, afternoon, Saturday afternoon, Duck, I was laying in the fetal position in my living room, sucking my thumb, because there was no sports <laughs> on. <laughs> I'm just telling you, it, it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. You know, normally there's at least four or five baseball games unless you got direct TV and then you can watch any baseball game you want unless it's the Cardinals and Cubs. Uh, you know, they black that out here in and that amazes me. They black it out in Little Rock. I wonder if they're going to do it this year since you can't, it's, it's really hard to get Fox Sports Network. We'll have to find out if that happens. All right, guys, let's take a break. It's uh, 18 minutes after 8. Uh, we've got 37 degrees in Little Rock. We're looking for a high today of 63 under brilliant blue skies, and the sun is shining. Got more for you on the Dave Ellswick Show with Joe and Duck, and they're going to come back and answer a question I got for them uh, dealing with uh, a 2011 Nissan Frontier Pro 4X six-cylinder, four-liter. That's what you guys got coming in just a moment here on the Dave Ellswick Show. It's uh, 21 after 8 on a Wednesday. Let me give you a rundown. 63 degrees a high today under sunny skies. Little Rock right now is at 38 uh, Conway at 40, Hot Springs at 34, uh, Pine Bluff is at 40, and the hot spot in central Arkansas is Cabot at 42 degrees. So that's where we're sitting right now. Tomorrow, sunny skies, high of 69 degrees. All right, to the phones, uh, and, and remember, 823-0965. If you've got a car problem, you call that number right now. You can talk to Duck and Joe. Nate is with us from Sherwood. Hi, Nate. How are you? Welcome to the show. What's your question for Joe and Duck?
1: Good morning. Hey, I've got uh, an 04 F-150. Every time I start it up uh, and drive, uh, an alarm goes off. It's five beeps. And then it it pauses for probably eight seconds, and five more beeps, and then it keeps on going for a while. It's annoying, and that's it's not my uh, restraint system. So my seatbelt, if it's not off, it beeps, 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 and then it it stops. So this five progression beep can go, and uh, I have no idea. I can't figure out what that's telling me. If there's something that needs to be fixed, or yeah, uh, you know, or you know, if nothing else, if I could just turn it off. <coughs>
6: Well, you're not going to be able to turn that alarm off because that alarm is for the passenger seatbelt light. Yep, yep. The bulb is burned out in that light.
1: Ah, so that passenger seatbelt light, and that would be on the dash? Where where do I replace that bulb at?
6: Well, you can't really buy the bulb for that. It's soldered in, but uh, we've repaired them at my shop, and I know Duck does at his shop uh, because we both repair instrument clusters, but... You have to buy that little plastic piece that says passenger seat belt on off. That boy Oh now, wow, that's amazing. you will come by mine or Ducks' place. We'll we'll take that piece out and and and, and taller, new, bulb, new in bulb in it. And, that's correct. And fix it. It's probably about a eighty dollar hundred dollar deal to fix it.
1: Sounds great. Well, that's worth it. I appreciate it. I'll be on by.
4: Thanks.
0: All guys. right, Nate. Uh, Thanks for your call, and uh, th- that's something that's amazing to me. It used to be pretty easy to change bulbs. It isn't any longer. Like I say, the day of the uh, Shade Cree, uh, you know, technician is, is gone bye-bye. And, I mean, it was typically you had to be a contortionist to get your hand up and under and behind the uh, uh, the the dash, but you could replace those bulbs.
6: Yeah, yeah those these. It's a different world today with clusters and stuff, isn't it, Doug?
2: Yeah, and another thing too, Joe. Those most are LEDs now, so that's why they're soldered in, because that's the only way they can make them work is to solder them into the printed circuit board.
6: That's correct. Uh, we've seen several of those, and we've had that question asked before, Dave, about the the wonderment of why is this beeper going off? Why is this alarm going off? And it just it constantly goes off. You, if you're driving the truck, it's going to go five or six times, ten times, pause, and then it's going to start over again. But but, what what that airbag module is looking for, it wants to see that there's resistance on that bulb when it's illuminated or when it's off because if you sit down in the passenger seat and buckle your seatbelt, it will say passenger airbag on. If you get out of it and leave it unbuckled, the, the light will say passenger airbag off.
0: Right. And when that bulb
6: can't illuminate, it sets off that alarm. And I've had several of them. I even sent for me from Ford dealerships because they couldn't figure it out.
0: So the bottom the line is, it's a safety feature. Exactly.
6: Tell you that passenger side airbag. It's not going to. It can't visually tell you when it's armed or unarmed because the bulb is bad. And okay. and the newer ones That's go they, they go by weight in the seat. That's correct, but if it but as the operator of the vehicle, if you look down and that bolt's not working, you don't know whether that airbag's armed or on, on or off on the passenger side. That's why okay. the alarm's going off to tell you there's a problem with that system.
0: Yeah, when yeah, I, I couldn't figure it out one time. I, I finally did. I started looking at it. Uh, I had gone grocery shopping and I put. The groceries in the front seat and a couple <laughs> of gallons of milk and stuff, and and the alarm kept going off, and I could, and, and I couldn't figure it out. And finally, I said, "There's enough weight on that seat that it thinks somebody's sitting there, and the seat and belt isn't connected." So i I right. buckled I buckled the seat belt around the milk, and I was fine.
6: That's right. Just strap your milk in, you're good to go. <laughs>
0: and, and Joe, that was uh, the safest trip of milk. Go ahead. And, and some of these GM, like these 3,500 GM vans, if you put a ice yeah. kiss in the right seat and you don't strap the seat belt, it'll put
2: it in limp yeah. mode and it won't run about 50 miles an hour. No, oh my God! Because
6: it, it doesn't. It, it 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 knows that there's. It thinks somebody's sitting in that seat, so it's going to yep. limit uh, the speed you can travel because the seat belt's not strapped on. Exactly. Yeah. It's a I'll safety thing. i come though.
2: through and walk out and put and snap the seat belt and tell them, take off now and try it.
0: It's all about uh, safety, but uh, sometimes there's no safety involved. It just do it does it by weight. How much weight typically uh, can do you have to put on a seat to get it to think that there's a person sitting there?
6: Seven pounds. I, say,
0: I think it's seven pounds. What they what it reco- recognizes.
6: Now, now, what what they're doing with that occupant sensor weight, and even the driver's seat weight in in these new vehicles, the weight sensor. If during a collision, it controls how much or how hard the deployment is of the airbag during a collision. For instance, if you have a 50 or or 75 or 100-pound person sitting in that seat, it's going to deploy not as hard as if you had a 300-pound person sitting in that seat.
0: Yeah, because the physics are just a little bit different for that's somebody correct. who weighs 80 pounds and somebody who weighs 300 pounds. The difference that's in correct.
6: The, that's what that's all about is to control the deployment so it doesn't, during deployment, it does its job hard enough or it doesn't do it too hard.
0: All right, if you're needing some work done on your car, remember the Bumper to Bumper Certified Service Centers, they're open Uh, during the pandemic to take good care of you and uh, as you heard duck talk earlier you might want to check your cabin filter because the green stuff is coming out of the trees like crazy Uh, you might want to take it out now catch the additional that you're going to catch or maybe it doesn't look so bad when they pull it out they put it back in to catch the rest of the pollen it'll help you as far as your allergies go i know mine uh, does that? If I have a, a clean one in there, I don't sneeze and have watery eyes as bad as I do if I don't. When the, the trees are all pollinating and doing uh, their thing. Hey, coming up, we've got uh, Sean Hannity. And when we come back, uh, Joe and Duck will be here for the last part of the show, last twenty-five minutes. You got a question? Eight two three zero nine six five. Eight two three zero nine six five. You call in. You'll talk to Heidi. Heidi has set you all up. Let me know you're there, ready to talk, and we'll get you on with Joe and Duck here with the uh, the car and truck doctors on the Dave Elswick Show. All right, back with uh, Duck and, and Joe, and they're ready to answer your car questions. They're both owners of Bumper-to-Bumper Certified Service Centers. Guys, we, we mentioned that you were Bumper-to-Bumper Certified Service Centers. Why don't you, uh, what was what was the big thing that made you become uh in, involved with uh, bumper to bumper. What was the big thing for you Joe and then what was the big thing for you Duck?
6: Well, for me it was the parts, the quality of the parts, the availability of them and and their overall service and you know I want to I want to give them guys a shout out right now for all this social distancing and stuff. You know, the, even their delivery drivers come in, they don't get close to you, they lay the parts down. We got a we got a, a shelf in the shop for incoming parts and outgoing parts, returns and stuff and they just go over and set the part down and uh, they have they, they do the little uh, iPads to sign for now. They went yeah. away with that, during the social distancing. we're back to paper invoices, but they just lay your copy down, put the part on top of it and out the door they go. So we don't even have to make contact with them. Those guys are great. And, and doing and a good job. It really helps us the availability of the parts, doesn't it, Doug?
2: Yeah, and and that's another thing too, Joe. You know, they help us in any way they can. They they bend over backwards and make sure we have our part. Uh, you know, they come in, they drop it off, they get you know, they get back in their truck and they leave. I mean, you know, we're trying to keep everybody safe right now and, you know, make sure everybody, you know, stays healthy.
0: All right, so they're doing their part with social distancing, making sure your crew stays healthy so as they stay healthy, they can keep uh, the people out there that are your customers, keep their car healthy, so to speak, and uh, up to snuff so that you don't have more things to have to worry about with all this thing going on about the, the Chinese virus and, and everything going on. All right, 2011 Nissan Frontier, a pro it's a 4X, six-cylinder, four-liter. says, I'm experiencing a rough shift in my frontier. It does not happen all the time. It seems to happen when I'm going up uh, to around 3,000 RPMs, then it, it shifts. It does this kind of jerk. I am just trying to figure out what it is. Uh, do you have any solutions? Do you know what could be causing the problem? Is it maybe U-joints or the differential or even the transmission? That's from James.
6: Well, that's going to be hard to uh, to diagnose without driving it. i like to know if it's got any uh, check engine light on and probably do a code test on it. And if it's on hard acceleration, you know, transmission performance is 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 in relation to engine performance. So he could have an engine performance issue causing the transmission to shift late and harsh. And, uh, you know, there's some things that can cause that that won't turn a light on, like a uh, bad mass airflow or a dirty mass airflow or a stopped-up air filter, because he says it's only under uh, on a hard acceleration. So uh, I'd really want to have a scanner on that and look at it. How about you, Duck? Same thing. How many, how
2: many times have we seen a human hair on the mass airflow sensor, mess everything up.
6: Wow! Yeah. I mean, and it, it yeah. really won't set a code because it's giving a signal; it's just the wrong signal.
2: Yeah, it's not giving the proper what it needs at the time. And you know, like you say, it could be the air filter. It could be a let's see. That's they that don't have a fuel filter on it, but it could be low fuel pressure. You know, and he's having to get in it real hard, and then the transmission don't understand yeah. what to do.
6: You know, you're you're the, the 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 shift controls, you know, we explain this all the time, Dave. Transmission uh-huh. performance is related to engine performance. Engine performance is related to how well the transmission shifts. They have to work together. We have folks come in and complain about the way the engine runs, and, and it's a transmission issue. And then vice versa. They'll come in and complain about the way it's performing. But it's uh, a perform engine performance issue causing the transmission to shift harshly. So... Uh, you know, I need we need more info to help this guy is what this amounts to. Or come
0: okay. by and see one of us.
6: That's correct. Right.
0: Yeah, and and remember you don't you can leave your car, somebody take you to wherever you gotta go to, drop the keys off let them know what the problem is, and they'll, uh, they'll, they'll fix your car for you. Because remember, when you take in your uh, car or your truck or your 18-wheeler, so to speak, into uh, the bumper bumper certified service uh, centers, uh, they don't just uh, work on your car. They are going to fix your car. Uh, that's, that that's is bad. a big deal for bumper-to-bumper. They hate to say, yeah, we'll take a look at your car. They don't just take a look. they They fix it. Liz has got a 2012 Kia Sedona. This is an EX six-cylinder, 3.5-liter engine. My van would start, uh, but the engine would not turn over. I took it into an auto body shop, and they said it was the fuel pump. They put in a new fuel pump assembly. The very same day, I picked it up at the shop. And I was backing out of my driveway. I see what looks like oil on the driveway. I ran some errands, came back home. Sure enough, a new oil spot is under the car and a trail of oil down the drive. I can literally see oil dripping from the center front of the van when it's parked. I'm going to bring it back in, but what could have gone wrong? The shop, they were not even near that area of the vehicle, but this seems like a big coincidence. Also starting the van. It still takes longer than normal for the engine to turn over. Five seconds. Uh, please give me some advice so I know what I'm dealing with. The van has 89,000 miles on it. No warning lights. Thanks so much.
6: Well, on the fuel pump thing, uh, 89,000 really is awful low mileage to need a fuel pump. You usually don't see that till they're 135, 150k. Uh, you know the, the oil leaking. Uh, I, I would I would really like to know if it's engine oil or transmission fluid or power steering fluid. Oil sometimes when it leaks on the ground, all three of those can look pretty much the same, but they're three different things could be leaking. So, uh, and and you know on a leak like that, we're going to have to see where it's coming from. You know if it's uh, if it's something that happened during the previous repair, you could probably look at that and see. Uh, the extended crank time still. I, I'm wondering if maybe that's fuel that's leaking. What do you think, Doug?
2: That's just what I was thinking to say, Doug. It could be fuel. You know, one of the fuels leaking down and rep, And it just looks like oil. You know, mm-hmm. could be dripping across some oil on the frame or something other where they serviced it. And it's you know, it could be. It could be a multitude of things. The first thing you need to do is take it and take it back to the people who looked at it and let them look at it. And but the now,
6: long time.
2: Yeah, yeah, the long crank times, you know, you can go on the, on the computer and look at all the information that's in the in the ECM, and you can pretty well figure out what's going on with it.
0: All right. Yeah, Just got to, got to get yeah, it on the computer.
6: Yeah, and, and she needs to give that, that, that folks that worked on the opportunity to take care of it and make it right. That's That's what she needs to do.
0: All right. We're going to take a break after this question. Bailey says he's got a 1999 Ford Expedition Eddie Bauer 8-cylinder 5.4-liter engine. The vehicle cuts on, then loses battery voltage. Says, I've replaced the battery alternator and ignition switch, but it still cranks up and then loses battery voltage and shuts off. Anyone had this happen before? Help, guys.
6: Well, it's got, it. got it's not charging is what's going on. I can tell you that, okay? Uh, right. But why is it not charging? He's had so much stuff done to it. Have they have they blown a fuse link or a fuse or the cider-wired one of that alternator? I think that particular alternator on that vehicle, I don't believe it's computer-controlled, is it, Doug?
2: No. And another thing, too, Joe, on them things, they have problems with the positive battery cable where it goes on the battery, losing yes. contact
6: he he needs to get it into one of the CSCs because there are some basic tests that I think somewhere they're missing I mean that sounds like they have yep. replaced the battery the alternator and done all the components but you still got to have 12 volts to the back of that alternator to make it work and uh, it's got to have the proper grounds but in the course of working on it, arcing and sparking and jumping, a lot of times you'll see fuses blown, and Ford is notorious when you take that fuse relay center and you take the lid off of it. It doesn't identify mm-hmm. what fuse is what. You actually yep. got to go into the owner's manual or get online and look it up to see what fuse goes to what. And <laughs> I'll bet you that one of them fuses is blown. What do you think, Doug?
2: I am almost lay y'all. He's either got a blow a fuse or a bad battery cable. One yep. of the two. I found the battery cables on them before, and I found the fuse on them before.
0: Yep. All right. All right. Good luck if you're searching it out and they don't identify. It means you're going to put in some extra time, no doubt, figure out which one is bad. Got to figure out which one controls what. 846, got to get our final break in. When we come back, Andrew says, hey, I got a 2003 uh, Dodge Durango SLT, eight-cylinder car. It's 5.5 liter. Uh, got a problem here, Uh random misfire on cylinder five and six. And he's got some information for you guys. We'll take that up when we come back. If you have a question, all you got to do is call in eight two three zero nine six five eight two three zero nine six five, Eight two three O nine six five, And then you can talk directly to Joe and duck right here on the Dave Ellswick show. All right, back final segment with uh, Joe and duck. We're uh talking about car questions, if you have something that you need an answer on, uh, you can call right now at 501 823 501 823 Let's see. I'm trying to get my question back here. My phone playing games with me a little bit. Trying to tell me I got to turn this thing around so I can read it. See what they're telling us here. We've got a 1995 Ford Eddie Bauer. We did the Eddie Bauer one. This is a Dodge yeah. Durango SLT 8 yeah. cylinder. Says that he's got a misfire on 5 and 6. I've replaced everything I could possibly replace, and nothing seems to work. It all will go off after a while of driving it, but if I idle for too long, the check engine light comes back on. What could be the problem? So I'll turn that
6: over to you guys. Well, I got an idea about the 5-9, Duck. I'm going to run it mm-hmm. back in and you tell me what you think, okay?
2: I do too. They had
6: a notorious problem for... The intake gasket on the bottom side of the manifold, the gasket being blowed and sucking in, and having a vacuum leak internal in the motor. Yep. Now, with it'll burn excessive amounts of oil. But setting their idle, in the vacuum's low, it's going to set misfires on there. If you go out and you get the engine RPMs up at cruising speed, it'll, those cylinders will start hitting. But if you come back to an idle again, they're going to they're going to fall off again because it's sucking in unmetered air underneath the bottom side of the intake. Now that's yeah, it's, that's it's what I'm like leaning everything out.
0: What was that you said, Duck? Leaning it, everything out?
2: Yeah, it's leaning everything out because it, it's sucking more air than it is fuel.
0: So and that's I, causing the one, all the problems.
6: The single easiest way to check that is to take the oil filter cap off and the breather hose off. Plug the breather hose and hold your hand over the oil filter cap. If it sucks on your hand idling, got that bottom gasket on the intake blow.
2: Yes, I think it's six bolts on each end of it to hold the gasket on. Yeah, you got hey. to pull
6: the intake off, turn it upside down to fix it. But it's it's about a oh, I think five or six hundred dollars repair.
0: Mm-hmm. All Not right, a four hour job. Yep. Yeah, four hours for someone like you. You know, maybe thirty-four hours for someone like me. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying if it if if I can get it done at all. All right, Adrian's got a 2006 GMC C uh, C 7500 Top Kick. That's a C7 C042 six-cylinder 7.8 liter. He says uh, he just got a question for you. How how often on the oil change? Just trying to find out how often we need to change the oil on our GMC. We don't have the owner's manual and a Google search hasn't been any help. Any ideas, Duck? 8,000 miles. Okay, so every 8,000 miles. So Basically, yeah. if you don't know what your mileage is at this time, change it now and then do it every 8,000 miles. From every 8,000
2: miles. That should be a 7.8 uh, Isuzu engine in it. Uh, mm-hmm. They they recommend around 8,000 miles what they recommend in-town driving. Now, if you're running up down the interstate, you can go to 10 without any trouble, but they don't recommend it. They recommend 8,000 miles.
0: Then 8,000 miles it is. That's what we're going to tell them. Because i tell you what, I, I'm i religious about oil changes. This last time, I was down to 30%. And uh, Linda will tell you, I was like a cat walking on a hot tin <laughs> roof, man. I, I was nervous. It just bothers me to let my oil get down like that. And uh, they took care of it and over at Joe's and put new oil. There's something about changing the oil. People say I'm full of it, but... It seems like my oil, my car always runs better right after the oil change. Is, is that just a a psychological thing, guys?
6: Well, it's kind of like changing the filter in your house air say, AC. Change that filter, it, it blows better, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, it does. It gets <laughs> the air gets through it easier. There's no doubt about that. All right, well, let, let me give you, you one
6: more
2: Wait, Dave, Dave. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go back to this guy with the uh, with the seven point eight
0: uh Isuzu engine.
2: Yes. When he changes oil, make sure they change both fuel filter. It has one down by the battery box and one up on the engine. Because the fuel filter nowadays is very important on a diesel engine. Real important. This is most important is, is your oil filter because it stops the particles and make sure you buy a good Wix filter or you know something with the two-micron filter on it so it catches all the particles so it don't eat your injectors up.
0: Okay, listen to what Duck's saying. Two microns, uh, because you get, you know, gunk in, in the fuel, uh, it will cut through the metal inside uh, your fuel injectors, correct?
2: Dave, one grain of, of sand will eat the injector up. And all yeah, decent fuel has trash in it.
0: And it's not a cheap yeah. fix, is it? Mm about $8,000. Ouch. What fella?
6: price of a quality filter seems pretty cheap then, doesn't it?
2: Yep. That's and doing I it on everybody. time. When, yeah, when you change your oil, change the fuel filters. They're just as important as now is, as oil, oil change is.
0: All right. Listen to the guys that have been working on cars and trucks for all these years. All, all right, final question me, you're for gonna you. Get,
2: you're going to get all uh, fuel filters if you come to me to service it.
0: All right, we got four minutes left. 2005 Chevy Equinox LT six-cylinder 3.4. Overheating while driving. Have done a tune-up, new thermostat, new radiator, new water pump. Have bled it several times. Uh, It still overheats while driving. The car doesn't overheat when it's idling. No signs of head uh, gasket problems. No white smoke out the tailpipe or water. No antifreeze in the oil. Please help exclamation point, exclamation point.
6: Well, that ain't going to be a real easy one, but I'm going to tell you it's a water flow problem most likely because it's it's not flowing water fast enough because the standard rule of thumb is that if your car runs cool idling around town, the cooling fans are working, the water's flowing good, it's keeping it cool. But the faster you drive, the higher your engine RPM is. For instance, uh, your RPM at uh, 30 miles an hour is probably 1,000. It's 70 miles an hour going down the freeway. It's going to be 2,000, 1,800. And if it overheats at highway speeds, it's not because you don't have enough air flowing through the radiator. It's because you're not cooling the water off fast enough to get it back to the motor to keep the engine cool for the increased engine RPM. So it's going to be a water flow problem. Now, where... Sometimes that's difficult. Could have a impeller wore out on a water pump. It'll pump water at low RPM, but fast RPM it doesn't. Hm. What do you think, Duck? Hello?
0: Duck, you still there? <laughs> all right, we lost Duck. All right. He had a set No, there he is. I had Go one
2: ahead. of them here all oh, spent about a year ago.
0: Okay. Yeah. yeah, he's dropping out. We're having a problem yeah, with yeah. his phone. All right. Doc, yeah. we're gonna let you go, brother. We're out of we're out of time anyway. Uh, we'll take that up again next week. The guys will be back next Wednesday. Uh, remind me to bring that one back up, Joe, so you guys can talk about yeah. it because I, like yeah. you said, it can be uh, you know, six of one and half dozen of the other, you know, and a lot of this goes back to your guys uh, Uh, knowledge of the experiences that you've had working on these cars. Thanks for joining us, uh, Joe. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Duck. All right. Appreciate you, Duck, too. That's Joe from Joe's Garage, Duck from Duck's Garage. Joe is in North uh, Little Rock on Crystal Hill Road. Duck is down there by the old Benton uh, Airport, uh, right over by the new uh, uh, kids uh, club. Building there. You'll find him right there. With that said, I'm out of time. It's gone fast today. A lot of good information uh, today. If you missed any part of the show, for instance, the interview with uh, French Hill or uh, Congressman, uh, State uh, Senator uh, uh, Kim Hammer or uh, Liz Harrington from the RSC, go back and listen to them. They'll be posting the show up on my Facebook page, The Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, is all that you got to do. DaveElswickShow.com. Go to that on the Facebook and become a, a, a fan favorite of my show. You can do it really easy. It doesn't take you any time. I'll talk to you tomorrow. We'll start off with Jr. Davis tomorrow on the Dave Ellswick Show.